Welcome to this Ashall Media Podcast, supporting a growing community of financial advisors. Thank you for having me and morning, everybody. Happy uh, Tuesday. I hope it's uh, sunny where you all are. It's glorious here today, which is uh, always a nice way to start the day. So, um, yes, I am going to kind of dive into the world of income protection today. We're going to be talking about the why. So why is it such a valuable product, the who and the how? Um, and yet, so so I'm uh, from the Income Protection Task Force, or for those who love an acronym, the IPTF. So I'll give a bit of an overview as well as to who we are um, and what we're kind of all about. Uh, and then we'll, yeah, and then as I say, we'll kind of go a little bit deeper on the specifics around um, IP as, as we go through. So yes, please do, if you have questions, pop them in the chat box. I definitely can't do two things at the same time. So um, I probably won't address them as we go through, but we'll hopefully have some time at the end of the session to go through your questions. So let's uh, jump straight in. So who is the IPTF? So our mission, we're, we're an industry group essentially, but our, in, our, our mission is to be a voice for the income protection industry, promote awareness of IP amongst consumers, remove barriers for distributors and enable open dialogue between providers and advisors. And ultimately we want to drive up sales of income protection. And everything we do is really underpinned by four values, uh, commitment to our mission, the industry, advisors and consumers. Um, we are results driven. We aim to deliver kind of tangible outcomes and see real growth in IP sales. We're all about open collaboration. We work as a team with our members and, and we welcome new ideas. And finally, boldness to really do things differently and try new things. So who sits behind the IPTF? Well, I'm very lucky to sit alongside uh, my two other co-chairs, Joe Miller, who's been involved with the IPTF for the last 13 years, uh, and Andrew Wibley, who uh, took over as a co-chair with myself at the beginning of last year. So Andrew's background is uh, protection underwriting. Mine is uh, actuarial and, and product. So all three of us are actually independent consultants, um, self-employed alongside uh, running the IPTF. And of course, the three of us can't take credit for the various uh, outputs from, from the group. We are very lucky to work with the majority, vast majority of the protection industry um, from the reinsurers through to the, the insurers, the service providers and the big distributors as well. And we work together on a number of work streams um, to ultimately develop better IP products, reach new markets and grow sales of uh, income protection. And that really kind of talks to the, the value of kind of the collaboration piece. We're all about collaborating and, and uniting the industry around uh, income protection. OK, so let's get into IP then. So let's let's start with the market. And I'm very pleased, very happy to say that that actually IP premiums grew 12% last year. And this is uh, in the latest January Protection Pulse uh, review. And actually across the protection board, we, we saw a bit of a bounce back following the pandemic, which is good to see. Uh, term insurance AP grew 8%. And I think that's that's understandable, kind of following the, 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 the boost in the, in the property market. Kick uh, AP also grew, but by a smaller amount, really, and it still has a bit of a way to recover to kind of pre-pandemic levels. But the winner for us, of course, is uh, is income protection. So we're, we're certainly moving in the right direction, which is really good to see. But still, I think it's around you know 9% of people have income protection in the UK, which is such a low figure. So there are clearly lots more incomes to be protected and lots more IP advice conversations to be had. So 
let's let's kind of look at that and, and and talk now let's recap kind of around you know the why for for income protection why is it such a valuable product so i want to start off by kind of taking a step back and and thinking yeah really thinking about the need for ip and this this is a quite a, a hard-hitting um figure so LNG's deadline to the breadline report, I think it comes out every year. It's a really good report. If, if anybody hasn't read it, I highly, highly recommend taking a look. It's got some great kind of stats and information that could supplement your, your client conversations. But this is kind of the, the latest uh, from them. So the average household is 24 days to the breadline. And they define the breadline as really the, the length of time that people could survive based on their their current spending and, and the savings that they have. So, you know, it's less than a month. That's that's hardly anything. And and what's even more worrying is that actually a lot of people believe, or, or on average, people believe that um, they could actually survive 90 days. So 24 is far less than that. So um, there's, there's a gap there. So, you know, this is important because it just highlights that actually our financial resilience is, isn't perhaps where it needs to be. So why why is this the case then? Well, Partly, it's because our saving levels um, are so low. So the average household has just 3,000 in savings. Almost one in five households have absolutely no savings at all. And um, quite shockingly, it would take four years for the average household to save enough to survive for one year. So clearly, you know, our, our savings are not going to last long um, if we if we did lose an income. And yet people, you know, people, this is this is a fact, but but people don't, you know, aren't really doing much about it. They're not, they're not, um, they're not buying IP perhaps, or then they're not kind of aiming to build their savings. And why is that? Well, you know, a part of the issue is that we tend to think we're invincible and, and actually that we're not going to fall ill. And the the deadline to the breadline report found that 35% think nothing will stop them working. And of course, we all know that's not true. We know that, you know, health can change and, and often does change over time, which means we we can't work. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've seen these types of figures before, but, you know, a 30 year old male has a 32 percent chance of being off work for at least a month due to illness or injury. And on the, the female side, 43 percent chance of being off for at least a month. So, you know, that 24 um days you know to the breadline that that's that's essentially this you know 43 percent are going to need to be off for longer than that so you know you can see there that there is a there's a high chance that somebody's going to lose an income and actually be in be in a really tricky position and despite all this um i'm sure you've seen this stat before this is this always kind of is is quite shocking but people are four times more likely to ensure their pet than their home people place more value on you know their material possessions and their and their pets which you know granted are are part of the family but you know if you don't have an income you you can't pay to raise the pet you can't pay for pet insurance so income is so important and yet people are more likely to ensure their pet four times more likely so if people did recognize that they, you know, actually they could fall ill and they could lose an income, well, you know, would they buy IP? Well, possibly not, uh, probably not. Um, people tend to think that they have other financial backups that they could rely on. So their savings, their employer and the state. And these these are, you know, these are the figures. So one in three think they could rely on their savings. But we've already seen that savings aren't going to last very long. 28% would um, rely on their employer if they fell ill and, and couldn't work. 
but employers aren't obliged to actually offer any extra cover over and above SSP. And then the state, 18% would rely on the state, but we all know that SSP is not going to cover um, everybody's kind of uh, earnings and, and outgoing. So there's, there's always going to be a gap there um, when it comes to, to state support. So we, we know that we know that our that, that we don't really have the financial backups there. So why why don't people go and buy IP then? We know that savings aren't aren't where they need to be. We know that employer support possibly isn't where it needs to be, and we know state support isn't going to cover the full amount. So that that surely is where IP could come in. But another challenge is that people don't recognize their value and this this talks to the point around the pet insurance and people preferring to insure their pet you know lng's report found that 90 percent don't see themselves as their largest financial asset so they would they put more more value and, and more worth on their material possessions like their home and their car but we know that the value of you uh, earning income over a lifetime is far far greater than the value of a material possession like a home you know the average home is worth just over 200k but the average worker earns 1.4 million over their lifetime a vast vast difference and of course you know people put so much place so much importance on their home but you know if you if you can't pay your mortgage so you lose your income and you can't pay your mortgage then perhaps you can't keep the home so you know it just it just trying to reiterate here just this, it's so so important to ensure your income because really that's what it's your income that enables all of these things it enables you to live in a home that you love and to buy a car that you love and have those material possessions that you value so much and if we think about the need uh, specifically in the wealth space because i know a lot of you are are wealth advisors you know your job is to is to think about financial planning for the future and and delivering that retirement of 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 dreams really for, for your clients and and thinking about their savings today how you can invest them and how you can deliver against those financial goals but you know of course any financial plan is underpinned by continuously earning an income over that time and we know that one in eight are forced to stop work due to ill health so if this was your client who had to stop work what what would happen would they eat into their savings would they have to stop their pension contributions maybe their ISA contributions all of those things are going to have a knock-on effect to that final um you know financial goal that they're trying to achieve so you know you can avoid those sacrifices by setting up an IP policy to really underpin that whole financial plan so that you know should the worst happen should your client be unable to work all of those financial contributions can continue and they can they can achieve the financial goals that they're looking to achieve in the future so we've spoken about the why i think it's we we you know you probably all know those figures and and they've been you know we we all talk about them a lot but it's i think it's it's always important to kind of go back over them and and be aware of just how great the need for a product like income protection is so i suppose that's that's the need now who who then is ip most suited to uh, you know of your clients who who could ip um suit most well i think ip is right for nearly every client but there are i suppose certain groups i think that are worth kind of highlighting where ip could be even more relevant than other protection solutions so a couple of examples are you know obvious one self-employed they don't have an employer they don't have the financial safety net of having an employer they don't have sick pay 
you, know, you may have uh, lots of directors of limited companies as clients. You know, these are the perfect people for IP. So, you know, if 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 that director uh, was unable to work, it could well be that actually the business struggles to run without him or her. Now, that's where IP can really help. It can not only replace the income of that person if they can't work, but they can. But it, you know, it, it, they also offer um, policies. Also offer the kind of value-added rehabilitation services to help that person recover and get back to work quicker. So, you know. I suppose limiting that business disruption element as well. So that's why IP works really well for for those self-employed individuals. The next group is is young people. Now I, I, I don't I don't think they'd be quite as young as as that image might portray. But you know, talking more about people in their in their twenties, for example, perhaps they've left university. They are you know earning an income for the first time in their lives they've got bills they've got rent to pay but they probably don't have debts yet they probably haven't bought a house yet given the way house prices are at the moment um that might be a way off but they certainly will be saving for a house i'd imagine so you know income protection is is a fantastic product for young people because it can protect against you know loss of income help them to cover all of their bills and their rent and more importantly mean that they don't have to tap into their say the savings their house deposit savings for example which you know they don't want to eat into if they can't work so where life and critical illness may be less relevant for young people income protection certainly is very relevant so that's you know that's definitely a, a market worth looking at and the third the third group is women you know but pretty big market a pretty big market but i really wanted to highlight um you know women here and and, and ask that you you know start thinking about your female clients because there's an income protection gap, um, income protection gender gap of 60-40, so um, in, in favour of men. And what's interesting is, is that gap doesn't really exist with life and critical illness cover. It's more like 50-50. So there's there's a way, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a way to go to to reach 50-50 on, on IP. Um, and, you know, recent research by the Women in Protection Group found that, you know, women do tend to be, and I'm sure this doesn't come as a surprise, but do tend to be a bit more worried about health risks and the family finances and putting in place those kind of safety nets. So actually, IP is a, is a really perfect uh, product for, for women who are already thinking about these risks and wanting to protect against them. You know, some of the, some of the I suppose, reasons that women may not be buying IP that, that I hear from advisors is that, Sometimes they say, well, I'm, I don't have children. I don't need IP or, you know, very often I'm not the breadwinner. I don't need IP. But of course, we know that, you know, those female clients will still have a value. And it's it's kind of a case of, you know, recognizing that value. We, we all hear about this value of unpaid work element as well, that there is a value there. But it's a, it's an education piece and it's helping them to understand you know, what what is their value and, and the importance of protecting it and getting IP in place. And then, you know, going back to the, the wealth space specifically, um, this is a challenge that I'm sure um, I'm sure you, you've heard before. You may have this with your clients as well. So my clients are old um, they have health conditions, so can't get IP or the price of cover is simply too high. They'd rather contribute to their pension. Really, really common um, in, in, the, in the wealth space if, we, if we're looking at uh, protection. And it's true, you know, the older your clients are, they are more likely to have health conditions and it might be harder to get IP. They might not be able to get IP. So this just highlights how important it is to have those IP conversations earlier before they reach that point. And the other the other thing to think about is, you know, if, if your clients are too old for, for IP or perhaps their health isn't isn't where it needs to be. What about their children? You know, we all know that 
you've worked so hard to build those assets under management to to build that relationship with with the client and those funds will pass to your client's children eventually so you know it's it's really a great idea to build that relationship with with their children so you can you know maintain i suppose and keep hold of 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 that wealth but but you know talk talk to those younger clients talk to those children about income protection as we've said you know young people are a great market for income protection so those were just a couple of points i wanted to raise around uh, the wealth conversation Okay, so we've spoken about, you know, why IP, why is it such an important product? We've looked at, you know, which type of clients IP works for. Um, and now I wanted to look at, you know, the how. So how can you introduce IP into your advice conversations? So this is a really important one. And I see, you know, some of the, the kind of best protection advisors do this really well. So I think it's so important to build protection and not just income protection, but protection generally into the budget from the outset. And if we, you know, let's look at an example of where that doesn't happen. So mortgage protection, this, this is often the case. So, you know, traditionally um, you've got a mortgage client, the mortgage comes first and protection comes after if at all. And why is that? Because, you know, obviously the clients are way too excited about getting into their new home. Um, they promise that they will speak to you about protection at a later date. You know, you do raise it, but they say, no, no, yeah, let, let me get moved in first and then we'll come back to the protection. But the problem is that, you know, by the time those new monthly mortgage repayments are coming out of their account, you know, the family finances have been hit. So suddenly there's not much budget left for protection. So sadly, you know, protection just may not happen. So, you know, as a solution, it's it's quite a good approach to understand your client's overall mon monthly budget for the new mortgage at the very beginning, um, but build into that protection. So so essentially that they come as a package. So that budget should capture the mortgage repayments and the protection premium as well, so that it's they're always kind of together and it's not an afterthought because you know chances are it, it may not happen if it is an afterthought. So that's kind of one approach that I see work really well. And, you know, as as an advisor, you have such a great opportunity to challenge a lot of the misconceptions that I've spoken about earlier on in that kind of why section, you know, people feeling invincible. It won't happen to me. I'm sure you've you've had clients who've kind of said that, oh, you know, I'm not going to fall ill. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm, I'm really fit. You know, I eat my five a day, go go to the gym, you know, six times a week. Um, but of course, you know, um, illness can can hit anybody, sadly. So you have a great opportunity there to just demonstrate um actually th those risks are real and, and there are various kind of risk reality calculators you know for, offered by the protection providers which can help you to do that and help you to demonstrate the personalized risk of illness or injury uh, to your client and really bring that bring that to life because i think when the numbers are there it, it, you can't really ignore them um they're not insignificant you know that second misconception of you know people don't really um you know appreciate their own value and and the you know they don't think their income is is worth much they don't need to to protect it you know, quantify the value of of their income you know as, as we saw that the value of the home the value of the car relative to the value of somebody's earnings was pretty pretty staggering difference again those numbers you can't really ignore them get them down on paper calculate it show them just how valuable they are and their earnings are and then that final one of, you know, people think they can rely on other financial support like their savings, their employer, the state. 
will again bring that to life cal calculate the time that their savings would last if they if they couldn't work you know how how far are they off the 24 day um deadline to the breadline are they you know cal calculate that sh show that and in terms of employer support help them to understand what their employer actually gives them because i think a lot of people assume oh you know that my employer would keep paying me or yeah i'd have at least three months of full-time pay but you don't know that that's the case so help your clients to to really understand their their contract perhaps have a conversation with hr get their head around what actually they would get um, from their employer um help help them to do that and i think particularly you know we spoke about young younger people you know younger people who are maybe the the children of your clients who are just starting work help them to you know understand their first ever employment contract and really get to grips with what what support they have if they were to fall ill um yeah that's that's where you you can offer a helping hand and then finally you know in terms of the in terms of the state support um explain to them you know what what those levels of of payment actually are they're probably far less than what what your clients may believe they are so again an opportunity to educate and and help to to challenge those common misconceptions and another one another challenge might be um oh well i've got i've got critical illness cover i don't need ip you know they're not they're not the same thing they're very different products um and, and we know and it's the same thing with life we know that ip goes above and beyond what life can do um but it also goes above and beyond what kit can do in in a sense you know they are they are very different products and if you think about the cover differences you know kick is there if you fall seriously ill to provide a lump sum payout but IP is there if you fall ill or have an accident, which means you can't work um, and, and, and that those policies will provide an income. And of course, there's, there's a bit of a gap there between between the two that the IP will bridge. You know, IP is there for less serious conditions like musculoskeletal and mental health conditions that, you know, probably wouldn't qualify for a payout on a kick policy but could still lead to a work absence so if your client has kick it's always worth just highlighting you know that kick's not going to pay out for everything it's not going to pay out for the less serious conditions and there are less serious conditions that can lead to quite long-term absences from work and, and loss of income so that's where ip really comes in and again we 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 know that the likelihood of payout is far greater uh, on an ip policy um, you know, there are lots of the, the risk reality calculators. I've used LVs here, but you know, there are others um, and, and you can you can do that. You sit down with your client and actually do those calculations and show them um, just how, you know, just just where IP, you know, the, the chance of payout, the, the chance of payout is um, is much higher. And if if I suppose everything I've said today uh, still hasn't convinced you to to dip a toe into IP and 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 start um, speaking to your clients more about it, well, signposting is is a is a is a great option for you if if it hasn't convinced you. You know there are lots of advisors out there who would be very very happy to to support your clients and help get their income protected. So I'd say if, if this is something that you might be interested in doing, you know, check internally at the network what you know, what if any signposting mechanisms you have for protection um, and, and whether you can use them. Um, surround yourself with the right people. You want to find somebody that you trust. Obviously, you've worked so hard to build um, a rapport with your client. You've got a long term relationship and it can be quite daunting, I suppose, to then say I'm going to kind of pass my client over to somebody else. So you know you want to have that really that that good relationship with another advisor that you really trust you know their processes and you know that they're going to do a great job for your client 
And then finally, you know, make sure the timing is right. It can be it can be quite overwhelming, I suppose, if they're having a wealth conversation with you and then straight away they're getting kind of um, protection calls and, and conversations with a completely different person. It can be quite overwhelming and, and might might switch somebody off to protection altogether. So, you know, I, I would say it's a great idea to work with the other advisor and, and map out the pro- both of your processes and have a look at your your process if you're a wealth advisor say and see where protection could slot in say if there's a you know if, if there's a, a slight kind of delay where you're not actually having a conversation with the client perhaps you're you're doing kind of your suitability reports and things actually could that be a good time for the protection advisor and and your partner there to to come in and, and bring in the, the topic of protection and I've touched on lots of the, I suppose, lots of the kind of material uh, available in the industry today. The deadline spreadline report um, is is brilliant. If you if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend giving it a read. Um, there are risk reality calculators, as I've said, LVs is one, but all the other providers, um, I think nearly all of them have have one. So definitely worth having a look at those. Um, on the IPTF website, you will be able to find all of the provider sales aids and there are links to tools. There are, there's a ton of material on our own website. So please go and have a look at that. And then also, you know, claim stats are always really, really important. Um, though we know that despite the numbers being so high and always in, in the 90s, um, people still don't trust insurance to pay out. So, you know, the numbers are great, but I think the stories are probably more valuable and and really bring to life uh, what protection can do and and how it can kind of help a family in need and I think one case study that I would definitely recommend um, having a look at after today's uh, session if you get if you get chance it's only short is Aviva's latest case study um, of Aaliyah's story and what's really good about that case study is it it highlights the the value-added services in particular so the rehabilitation support available on her policy so it's a really powerful um, story and if and if you know if you're trying to speak to a client about what IP can do bringing out those value-added um, services and rehabilitation and recovery support is is a is a great extra tool so a case study like that can kind of bring that to life and a date for your diary uh, if you haven't already got it in it's uh, income protection awareness week 2022 the week of the 19th to the, to the 23rd of september of this year we ran the first ever income protection awareness week last week uh, last week last year uh, and it was um, a massive success and so we are running it again this year uh, so the idea of the week is um it's 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 just a week of full full ip what more could you want so essentially we we have kind of themed days and and we we share lots of advisor case studies we talk about kind of sales tips and ways that you can bring ip into your conversations and it's really aimed at advisors who are quite new to speaking about income protection or who have never ever done a protection policy so yes if you um if you do anything today, please add those dates to your, your diary. Um, you can join the IPTF mailing list on our website for uh, regular updates of, of what's coming. But it'll be, a, it'll be a really great week. So we'd love to see some of you there, if not all of you there. And that brings me to the end of the session. So if you have any questions kind of outside of, of this webinar, uh, feel free to uh, drop drop us an email. Um, you can check us out on social media. And if you weren't involved in the Income Protection Awareness Week last week, last week, my goodness, last year, <laughs> um, 
it would be a great idea to uh, check out all of the resources from last year on our website. Um, they are they cover kind of all the basics of IP and it, and if you're if you're completely brand new to to writing the product or you're thinking about it, it's a great place to start just to get those um, those kind of basics and the foundations uh, in place. And we will yeah hopefully see you for this year's Income Protection Awareness Week. But that brings me to the end. So thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.